Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Steven Ostentowski here of the MGO Fish Podcast. Welcoming me today is Harry Hillman, the one and only. Harry and I are here to discuss some recruiting news. There's a Jim Harbaugh letter we got to work through. And then there's some some top fives that we're going to end with today. But Harry, how are, how are you doing on this on this rainy Chicago Mother's Day? How's it going today? Uh, it's going well. We've been up. Uh, just some housekeeping news. My phone has been broken for the last uh, eight or nine days. Um, so just I, I know I've been working on the Logan Tully Tillman feature. Um, we've had to push that back. It's tougher to interview people without a phone and a secondary recording source. So that'll be probably reset in motion later this week. Uh, just been having to push that back since no phone. Um, it's been pretty aggravating. But other than that, love spending the day with my mom. Um, I had a nice little brunch earlier. Nice. And nice. now we get to be lazy until uh, sushi dinner. Sushi dinner. Ooh, that's Sushi a good. Dinner. That's a good Mother's Day dinner right there. Oh yeah. The uh, two questions. What kind of phone was it, and did you like spike it out of anger at anything? <laughs> <laughs> um. So it, it's an iPhone six. Okay. So it's an old one, and it's the old one that I had to um get because the phone I broke, I actually spiked in anger in 2018. On um, the um, – it wasn't – I don't think it was Bosa's blocked punt, but it was – we cut the lead to two in, in 2018 against Ohio State. Yep. They blocked the punt, and then the phone came spiraling out of my hand like <laughs> shortly after. It was um, – I broke the remote, and I broke my phone that day. Yeah. So that's why I've been on a, on a janky iPhone S for two and a half years where the battery has been like killed. Yeah. Well, you're you're due for an update. That's a you got some you you've bought your time well with that with all the new phones that have come out. I'm surprised I didn't throw my phone out of Ohio Stadium when I was there in 2018 and witnessed that live. So I cannot blame you um, for <laughs> for that instance. Oh yeah, that uh, was a, <laughs> it. Was just like I had to throw something. I was just upset. Yeah. Yeah, how I didn't get in a fight with uh, an Ohio State fan there was uh, something I'm proud of. For con- that's like a true composure test. How 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 level set can you be in the face of hell itself? <laughs> that was... that's, that's the biggest issue I think with me going to uh, Michigan games is like I I, I do have a, a bit of an Irish temper. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, Kind of, I I have a tendency not to let things slide off my back so easily. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's a little, I get triggered easily. So I need to watch in like the comfort of like a living room by myself, with like and my family kind of knows to like leave me alone yep. because, I mean it's just not gonna be good for anyone. Oh yeah, I get I get very um not even like emotional, but it's like, I have to express myself by just yelling like fuck at the tv like <laughs> up my lungs it's like it's like oh okay high state probably just scored so and then speaking of like 2018 like my therapist like is like texting me like what's happening to your boys what's happening to your boys i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm like steve like you do understand like i can fire you right like, yeah but you won't 
Like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a power <laughs> move right there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I take a very different approach during the games. I'm with you that going to games, I'm often more anxious than excited. But I just, I have a notebook that I, I write down notes for every single play so that when I go back through my analysis, I have the cliff notes and I can like selectively choose plays as they show up. So that's a good way that I uh, distract myself from any like anger. Is It's just like I'm taking notes of like every single play, like timestamps, different things. And that separates me from the emotional aspect because I'm just busy throughout the entire game. So I can't even like get lost in it. So that's that's a pro tip for anyone who wants to spike their phone during a tough game. <laughs> take notes about it and you'll just write furiously. And that's it works pretty well I, for me. I have to take you up on that. Yeah. No, it's... I still remember I was I was actually at a a business meeting during the army game mm-hmm. and I was like pacing in like this back room like on my laptop and like just furiously like not paying attention and i'm like yeah there's no point i like i might as well just try and find a stream of this because yeah. nothing is getting done yep <laughs> that's how it goes all right harry let's let's talk there there's a recent michigan commit there's at the time of recording we may have a live commitment during this uh this podcast we can talk about who that individual will be and then we've we've seen some crystal balls recently come for another prospect. So let's cover this trio. Let's start with uh, outside linebacker recruit Tyler McLaurin out of Bolingbrook, Illinois, which is a great name for a hometown. Um, he's a class of 2021 linebacker, 6'2", 210, uh, three-star, ranked around 400 by the 247 composite. So he's a guy who had some Big Ten offers, some Cincinnati interest, Boston College. I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what his recruitment looked like, but um, he's the the. I, I watched some film on him, and my first instinct was this is just like an oversized safety, <laughs> who I think will grow into just a monster middle linebacker. I, I don't know <laughs> what your take is, but he's obviously a guy at two ten who will need to bulk up to two thirty five or so. Um, but I, I mean, he's super athletic for his size, um, shoots gaps really well, great speed for, for that size. But what's, what's your take on him? Are you, are you, uh, a fan of this commitment? What, what are things that you notice from, from Tyler's film? Yeah, I would say I'm, um, I'm leaning towards the being a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, six, one, six, two, I agree with you bulking up to the two thirty five, two forty range, he shoots gaps well. Uh, good instincts. I have him. I think he's going to end up at the uh, Sam linebacker spot, so walked up a bit more. Um, just because I think he's a little less fluid in coverage than you'd like your uh, Mike linebacker to be. Yeah, That's not necessarily to say he's, he's poor in coverage. I think he can definitely turn it into a strength, but his hit fluidity – um, when he realizes it's a pass, it's a little bit clunky. Yeah. Um, still elite for like high school football standards, but for like elite prospect standards, a little lacking there. Um, he is from Bolingbrook. They're a um, they're an Illinois high school um, powerhouse. Uh, really great program, eight A, which is the biggest classification in Illinois. So they're consistently playing teams uh, that have between four to five division one prospects um 
on the rosters at any given time. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a pretty um, high competition level. Hmm. Um, I would expect that he's gotten some pretty solid coaching. Bolingbrook has sent a few kids to uh, to Michigan State with success. Um, I know they had a safety from Bolingbrook a couple years ago. So, uh, I mean, I'm excited for him. I think his his ranking's probably pretty fair yeah. uh, because it gives enough room for his upward projection. Um, I think he's, he's a classic uh, high-floor prospect. Um, I don't expect him to have a, a Devin Bush-like impact, but um, it's still a little early for me to have a, a comparison. But um, he's got just just off of body types, he's got a similar physique coming out as uh, as Josh Ross. So that was that was one of the names that I was just thinking of. But I think Josh Ross is a little bit more complete of a player. Um, McLaurin, I, I think, is going to end up being a little bit more niche based in that the way he's used is significantly more important. I, I would I would actually say right now that the player I'm kind of thinking of is Devin Gill. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I definitely see more Gill than, than Ross. Ross, I, I didn't see Ross as, like, even the same prospect, really. I think maybe it's because, like, I didn't even realize Josh Ross was 6'2". I thought he was way shorter than that. Yeah. So it, it it's strictly a frame thing with Ross. Yeah, it, it's not a, a playing style. Thing. Yeah, because because Ross came in, he was like, he was big, he was mm-hmm. big coming in. He was like two twenty, so he was built. So I think that's probably where I was like thrown off because this is it's a completely different frame where Josh Ross was also like a, a, a like two hundred overall for like solid he four star. He he was up to like sixty at one point. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, and and I think I think you're right that Sam will be the eventual position there. I think it's just a matter of how big does he grow. Um, if 235 is the max, then that will be um, you know a Sam linebacker. It's it's interesting because everyone I think is now probably looking for like a Josh Uche type, um, or I think a lot of Michigan fans are going to like be over pursuing for that. But then looking at uh, the recruiting profile for Josh Uche, he was like six to two twelve out mm-hmm. of, uh, out of high school. So there's a lot more growth. What's that? He's, he's uh, from high school in Georgia, right? Uh, Uche. Yeah. Oh, Florida, Florida. So LC and bossy was, uh, was Georgia. Yes. Actually, that's a good comparison too, for the kind of prospect that uh, McLaurin is. Yeah. Maybe maybe not all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe football style Mbase would be a good one. Exactly. Because, yeah, I, I can see that. It's um yeah, because Uche and Mbase um committed like the same week both out of nowhere. Right. Which yeah. I'm a fan of always. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so we'll see. I mean six two, two ten. It's an interesting size. So like part of that rating we always like I always like to say is there's a lot of projection where like the main difference I see between like a Josh Ross right now is, and and McLaurin is like, it's a 200 spot difference, but a lot of that is based on the plane weight that Ross was already at. Um, And there's more projection on McLaurin. So it'll be interesting. I like the get overall. Um, 
He seems fast. He seems really athletic for that size. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. And it's he, he's currently the highest rated uh, defender in Michigan's uh, 2021 class. So, But I don't believe that will be the case uh, when the listeners hear this. Ooh. So that's, that's a, a slight little good omen. Yeah, yeah. Bring, let's bring it, bring it to the uh, to the next recruit here that we're talking about here. I see. I'm on the two four seven page right now. It says commitment watch in two hours twenty one minutes and counting down. So who am I talking about here, Harry? Give me a you'd breakdown be, of this. You'd be talking about Rod Moore, Marcus Allen's teammate uh, at a Northmont. Mm. So Rod Moore is a safety, five eleven, one eighty. He is currently 378 nationally on the 247 composite, the 22nd safety, 22nd ranked safety in the country, uh, the 12th best player in Ohio according to the composite, 10th best according to just 247. Um, all seven crystal balls came in yesterday for Michigan. Uh, Sam Webb, Alan True, um, the who's who of, um, of Michigan predictions. Yep. And so he'll probably be joining the class today. Um, I, I like more. Um, he, he's another prospect that, that I like, don't necessarily love. Yeah. Um, where I see the vision with him, he's a good ball playing safety. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, he, I, I think I would tend to put him more in the uh, boring safety category where um, the the less you hear his name, the better. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think he'll be on, on the too high safety look. I think he'll be a good defender, but he, he's a solid tackler, but he's not anyone that I think is going to intimidate offenses into running away from him. Yeah. Um, I think he can play some man-to-man. I don't think he'll be uh, a, a walk-up safety that you'd trust on a slot receiver. So I, I would probably say he projects well to a true free safety. I, I don't see a ton of projection in position or body size. I think maybe maybe 10 to 15 pounds away from being an ideal playing weight. But um, but I like him. Um, two four seven has a, a Tayshawn Gibson comparison to him, which would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, um, his track times are good, so he's got a two two, uh, twenty two second in the two hundred meter and a seven one two in the sixty meter dash. Mm-hmm. Those are those are good, just slightly below elite times. So what I think like. If I were to just simplify it, I think he's a B-plus athlete, a B-plus uh, technique guy, and, and a B-plus projection. So I, I would call it like a, a B-plus player, which is good. Like, you need those guys. Right. Yeah, he's not he's not a Daxton Hill guy who's going to come in and, and be that, you know, all-around-the-field safety that every program could use. But he's he's a guy who will have a role um, – I his playing style reminds me of Josh Metellus, who gets a bad rap, but was really, I mean, he was drafted, you know, sixth round to uh, where would he go? Vikings, I think. So um, he runs kind of the same same style. I'd expect the same level of athleticism, which was 
good, even bordering on great, just not at that elite level. Um, I think I'm the thing I'm happiest about is he he shows pretty well on film. He looks very calm, a, a very fluid uh, presence at safety, and he still has a lot of room to grow. So he's got a frame where he can really put on a hundred hundred pounds, like ten to fifteen pounds. Um, so I think that that helps a lot where there's still room for him to get a little bit more pop, a little bit more of that ceiling athletically than he's currently at. So I think that's that speaks well. And I trust Bob Shoup quite a bit at the, uh, at the safety, you know, that that's an excellent hire by Michigan. So any guy that he's in on as, as the primary recruiter, which he was for Rod Moore, I'm going to trust him um, pretty, pretty heavily there. So, so it, you know, it's not a home run guy. He'll he'll need to bulk up a bit, but he had some he had some other Big Ten offers, so it's not like a guy completely out of the blue. I mean, he's you know a higher three star, so I think you're fair like B plus like ceiling of maybe fifth sixth round in the NFL. Um, you know, those are those are guys who are solid, if not great. Uh, you know, second team All Big Ten or third team All Big Ten kind of guys and most teams would be happy for that. So, so that'll be, that'll be a good get. And you need those guys for depth. And I don't know a whole lot about his, uh, his character, but I mean, every team can use, you know, those guys at that position. So, so I think it's overall, uh, a good get and, uh, at the very least a good depth guy and at the ceiling, a, a solid multi-year starter. So hard to go I, wrong. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then we got one more here. Uh, another linebacker, um, I have a hard time, and I just realized this, I have a hard time watching linebackers and knowing if they're going to be good or not. Because I watch, I, the only guys that I really watched that I felt really confident about were uh, Devin Bush and uh, Josh Ross. I thought Josh Ross was going to be actually better than Devin Bush, which was stupid of me. But um but I have a hard time watching linebackers and really being able to to scout them. That's something that I really need to to get better on. But I'm talking here about Jaden Hood. He's out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, inside linebacker, 6'1", 212, class of 21 again. He's just within the top 300 at 292 nationally. 47th out of the state of Florida, number 12 inside linebacker of the class. This is a guy with legit offers i don't know exactly how uh legit this alabama offer is how committable that was but um i mean it came in really quick succession with a louisville offer texas a&m offer south carolina offer uh so he's a guy that that had a lot of interest lsu offer penn state florida state so this is a guy who uh obviously a lot of programs sought after um Give me your take on him, Harry. I'm curious what what uh what your thoughts about Jaden Hood are. Uh, I think he's an absolute stud. I think <laughs> he's a future star. He's one of my favorite players in the class already. Um, not that like not in Michigan's recruiting class, but in in the um, overall 2021 recruiting class. Yeah. Um, I think he is as close to a Devin Bush clone as you'll get. Um, in terms of playing style, he's a thumper, he's fast, he's athletic, he's fluid in coverage. Uh, he loves blitzing. Uh, he's from Florida. 
I, I the reason I, I feel pretty strongly about Tyler McLaurin playing Sam is because I feel very, very strongly about um, Jaden Hood being probably a um, a three and done player. Yeah. At Mike, I, I think he's someone that I really could see being all conference his sophomore and junior years, and then going to the NFL. Sure. Uh, I think I think he's a star. I don't I don't see very many downsides. There's not a, like um, a ton of stuff out there on him. He's from right now St. Thomas Aquinas, but he played at a different high school called Cardinal Newman hmm. his freshman through junior year. So he hasn't actually played for St. Thomas Aquinas yet, sure. but he, he did transfer to get more recruiting interest. Um, so I, I would bet that those Alabama, that Alabama offer is probably in the range of like, we really like you, but maybe there's two five stars we're waiting on. Right. And then you, yeah. So, this is a guy that I think Michigan needs to seal up sooner rather than later. I'm a huge fan. So, yeah, I was just watching his film uh, a little bit ago, and there's just some guys where you watch their like a single individual clip and you can point mm-hmm. it out as like, "Oh, this is like this is why he got the offer." And I love those guys because most of the time it's like, "Yeah, I could see this guy like being, you know, a productive starter," but then there's there's film where you watch and you're like this guy like i would offer this guy based on this one clip alone and there it's at the 129 mark if you're on his huddle 129 mark of it's a rollout pass and this guy Jaden hood covers like 10 yards in about like half a second obviously that's hyperbole but his blitzing speed or his speed when he transitions from pass coverage to rushing the quarterback his closing speed is probably the best way to put it is elite and just next level so i remember watching that and just being kind of terrified because i was like oh he decapitated this guy like he murdered this guy so that's uh that athleticism of that size is absolutely terrifying and uh you're absolutely right that his blitzing is is definitely what what stood out to me the most that also made devin bush so valuable as as a middle linebacker despite his size so um so yeah you're not going to find clones of, of devin bush anywhere and this guy is actually bigger than, than devin mm. bush so if, if he can replicate that with a larger frame then obviously you're in a really good spot so i agree um, one of the the highlights like you were saying that that really stuck out to me just a few clips later um at the 143 mark on it, it looks like it's at the one or the two yard line he just stands up like a pretty solid sized um, running back, yeah. and it's just that ability to, to read where the hole's going to be, uh, to get there fast and with enough forward momentum to completely stonewall a solid sized um, back. That's that's a pretty special trait and characteristic. Yeah, uh, and most importantly, uh, he, they did not score. Yeah, exactly. High school highlights are funny because sometimes you'll just see like great plays and you'll be like, "Oh, cool!" Like this offensive lineman like pancaked this guy, and the running back still got tackled for a three-yard block. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. The thing that stands out a lot is, uh, and I, I think it's more important for linebackers than maybe other positions. You could argue safety as well, but uh, it just looks like everything hurts with everything that that. Uh, mm-hmm. that Jaden Hood 
like tackles it looks like it just affects people quite a bit and that's something that kind of reminded me with with josh ross um when i watched his film but um that's definitely something where Jaden hood it seems like every he displays great pop with all of his hits yeah um which obviously that's you know a, a very important thing as a linebacker to be able to stand people up in hole in the hole up the middle and um it stood out more than than other uh linebacker film has um recently that i've seen hip explosiveness is yeah. especially important at, at linebacker and it's not even the being able to to hit hard aspect of it but when you have that hip explosiveness, you're able to get in and out of cuts quicker. Right. You meet guys in the hole quicker. You're, you're a faster twitch athlete. Yep. And you play with that that downhill explosiveness. Yep. So linebacker, defensive end, and, and safety are the positions I really look for. Uh, hip explosiveness. Yep. Um, corner is a little bit different where you look for like maybe a little bit more fluidity and right. being able to change direction quicker. And so all that. So um the point is hip fluidity is good. Yeah, yeah. So he he only has one crystal ball right now you, from Sam Webb back on the 5th of May. Uh, so hopefully, like you said, Michigan can, can get on that early because it's, it's a guy who looks like could potentially max out around, uh, I don't know what his max rating would be, but not five-star, but definitely high four-star. So I could see yeah, a, another 80 range. Yeah. I would... Yeah. So I could I could see him jump quite a bit. So I agree that it would be good for Michigan to land that uh land that as quick as possible. I'm not sure who his primary recruiter is. Obviously, I would assume that Don Brown is in that as well, but I don't see anyone listed on his page. I would I would bet Brian uh, St. Jean Marie. Mm, that would make sense. Ex coach from uh, USF. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would guess. Florida connection that makes sense. Yep. And now Michigan has a little bit of a, you know, if they're obviously able to land this, but their earlier commitment from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who is that other guy who committed? Um, Jade McBurrow. Yeah, 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 Jade McBurrow. So obviously that is paying dividends of having having a recruiter out of that area. So that would be a great pipeline. We're getting Jadens out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Jaden Burrow, Jaden Hood. Yeah, you're right. I didn't. I didn't think about that. They're naming naming babies Jaden down there, or at least yeah. they were 18 years ago. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder who, because you can usually, like, Jalen Rose is, like, the first big Jalen. Yeah. And Shaquille O'Neal was the reason for, like, uh, Shaq Thompson, Shaq. There, there were a bunch of good Shaqs. Yeah. I wonder I wonder who the Jaden was. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't like, know. Because Jaden's a great name in general. It's true. Uh, it's. I wonder if there is like a connection to like Florida Jadens. There's got to be. There's got to be some like local Jadens that are just legends in the state like of Florida. Some, uh, some my University of Miami guy that yeah. was like incredible before he like busted out of the NFL on like drug charges or something. <laughs> or or like one of those. Uh, what was it? That Marcus Dupree thirty for thirty. Have you ever seen that that thirty for thirty? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that. The OG thirty for thirty is yeah. one of the great. Ones. Oh yeah, that. Um, ooh, that that could be an interesting top five list later down the road. Ooh. Top five thirty for thirties. I'm gonna write we're that doing down. movies today. Yeah, top five thirty for thirties. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll have to do that because I've I've watched I, I would have to say at least eighty percent of them, if not more. Yeah, thirty for thirty does have some duds. They do, but the aren't even as bad as as like regular duds like 
the uh, the Catholics versus convicts thirty for thirty. I think was like just dog stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, bad. I didn't like that. Was bad. The uh, and the uh, I tried watching um, the Guru of Go the other day on on Paul Westhead hmm. and uh, Oil and Marymount. It, it just didn't. It just didn't do anything for me. I'm like, oh, this will be a really interesting story, and it's like. They're quoting like Shakespeare and doing all that. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like <laughs> I'm ten out minutes, like <laughs> yeah. If I don't like it after ten minutes, like my time is too valuable. Yep. <laughs> all right, that's that's a that's a great idea for a future episode. We'll have to do that next week. Um, I'll start thinking about that. Okay, let's shift to uh, a recent letter from Jim Harbaugh himself. A proposal letter, you could say. Uh, about some some rules to shake up the college football landscape. It's focusing on on scholarship limits and the eligibility for collegiate athletes. In fo- oh, you're back. Okay, cool. Um, collegiate athletes transferring from the NCAA to the NFL. So there's there's been a lot of hot takes about it from from rival fans and and other people that will address um i'll co- i'll cover the main points here real quick and i think we should the order in which i think we should go through these is knock out the quick ones that i don't think are very controversial and then end with the primary focus of it okay so i'll go through kind of the the list of the proposals from jim harbaugh so First big one uh, would be declare for the NFL draft of any season. So right now it, you have to be three years removed from high school before you can uh, declare for the NFL draft. Jim Harbaugh is proposing to remove that. All right, that's first big one. And all the all the rest kind of fall in line with that. Um, but a secondary aspect of that, say a football player leaves early, say their second um, their second year, they're entitled to the remaining number of years for that education. So if someone leaves after two years, they would have three seasons remaining um, for paid schooling if they decide to come back to that school to finish their degree. Um, beyond that, uh, a couple of the, I'd say, like other minor ones would be allow student athletes to consult lawyer and agent for advice on signing professional contract. Um eliminating the limit at 25 scholarships per school uh, for every year of incoming freshmen and transfers. And then finally, uh, full five years of eligibility. So essentially just getting rid of red shirts overall and um, giving people uh, five years of eligibility. I guess another one that I kind of missed here uh, that is overarching is if someone goes undrafted or does not sign a free agent contract, they can return to college. Um, and then also just ensure that every player can transfer once without any penalty. So we don't have to play the game of, you know, sit out a year or get a waiver for whatever reason um, that's eliminated and you can transfer once without any issue. So, um, so let's start there that, that just, and he said this before of just getting rid of that, sit out a year rule. I think it's a stupid rule. People transfer for tons of legitimate or illegitimate reasons. It adds a bunch of stress, a bunch of unknown for programs and players alike. And there's really no reason to keep them from, from playing. It only hurts people. I don't see any reason why keeping someone out for a year 
helps unless you see uh, unless you do it every single year so i think limiting 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 the number of free transfers to one year is fine so then you don't have a guy you know a situation where someone's transferring to a program every single year for the best opportunity i think it's fair to have people recognize that hey this program wasn't the best for me i'm gonna spend the next three years at a different program and not punish them for that um what are your thoughts on that aspect of just the one year uh like one free transfer i like it i I like a lot of the the incredibly practical parts of it Mm -hmm. the uh the five-year eligibility i don't think it necessarily give them five years of eligibility but like a very clear and concise like okay like your when your clock starts now you have five years to complete your four years no matter what happens so it's not necessarily like a red shirt extends it it's like okay like boom um just clearing up eligibility i i do like guys being able to declare earlier than than originally planned i mean there have been a bunch of guys that going into their junior years have been highly projected picks that have gotten hurt and ruined their careers. Uh, Marcus Lattimore being one that really stands out to me, especially as a running back, yeah. uh, shorter shelf life. It would have been really awesome for him to, to be able to get his shot at the NFL at fully healthy. Um, the There's a cornerback out of Oregon that was in a, a similar situation um, he, he had a, he had an apostrophe, not an apostrophe, uh, a d- dash in his name, like hyphenated. Yeah. yeah. It, he had a hyphenated name. It's like Effie Ifanu Awuru or something. Yep. yep. I know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think, um, just the, um, the things that give more power and leverage to the players is, is overall, uh, good. Uh, I don't necessarily agree on the, um, on the getting rid of the, the harder cap uh, of uh, 25 scholarships between incoming freshmen and transfers every year. I think that's sort of a trickier um, area because I don't, while I don't envision it happening soon, there, there would be a scenario where a coach just completely um, rehauls his roster and brings in 40 to 50 players Um and just takes a lot of scholarships away from remaining players. So I I don't know if that's as practical. I I think it's a good idea in theory, but is probably the idea that would get abused the most between coaches and players. Hmm. I guess my main, yeah, yeah. I I think on that final point, the, the tricky part about allowing people to declare at any time means that there's a lot more fluidity in rosters overall. So you could potentially have, you know, 10 members of your junior, senior, and sophomore class all go to the NFL. If you're a super talented team and you had a really good year, that could possibly happen. So then that's 30 kids say that, and that's an insane number. But just theoretically, if you're allowed to transfer or go to the NFL at any time without any um, impediments there, then you're just going to, year by year, you're going to increase the number of outgoing students. So I think that's the main reason behind it, where if a kid can leave after a sophomore year, you're going to see some of that, and you're going to see a lot more transfers for the better of the student-athlete, but you're still going to see 
the number of your rosters be more in flux year over year. So I think it, it's more to account for that case where if you have a really good year or the situation where um, it's a new coach and a lot of these guys want to transfer to different programs, you can potentially have 30 scholarship shot spots for a new coach who can only fill 25 based on the current rules. So I, I think you're right that it's people could abuse that and find ways to um, – like completely overhaul or, or withhold um, scholarships for, you know, their new incoming guys, if it's a new uh, regime or whatever it may be. But I think it opens up just a, a lot of, a lot of instances where there are more scholarship spots than the current rules allow for uh, a given year. So I think, mm-hmm. it, I think there's, there's additional thought that needs to be put into place there just to ensure that, uh, both scenarios are, are properly handled and accounted for because the worst case scenario would be, you know, you, you lose 30 guys, you have an 85 scholarship limit and you're only able to give 25 of those remaining 30 away. So then you're just burning five scholarships and, and that's five scholarships that good could go to student athletes, which is obviously a better case scenario for, for everyone involved that uh, the current rules don't would not allow for. So so I agree. There's there's additional information and additional regulation that would need to be applied to ensure uh, both sides are appropriate there. But the I think a thing that I'm seeing a lot that I don't understand is a lot of people are saying like these kids aren't ready for the NFL after one year. And to that, I understand that like if you throw an offensive lineman into the NFL as a freshman, they're going to die. Like they're just straight up gonna die, but how many, how many NCAA kids per year would actually want to do that at the positions that wouldn't make it? Five to ten guys a year, yeah. and I I would say the the idea that I kind of have is: is Are you familiar with um with junior hockey at all? Uh, I know it that like you get drafted and then you play and it's just like, a. but there's also like advisory committees that allow like certain prospects, the ability to enter the NHL draft earlier than, than originally planned. If they view them as a like special talent and someone mm. that would be able to handle it. Yeah. I, I'd almost be okay if there was like an NFL and it'd have to be um, through the NFL because I think the NCAA would be a little too um, self-serving in this regard that right. that would allow um, certain generational prospects the ability to leave earlier than, than usual. Um, probably like a, a committee that would let Trevor Lawrence enter after his freshman year mm-hmm. or right. Jadavion Clowney after his sophomore year and just players that clearly are at a different level giving them the option to state their case. And I also wouldn't hate the move of um, if, let's say, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, instead of Joe Burrow, wanted to draft Trevor Lawrence and let him go to Clemson for his junior year while paying him um, like a a certain amount. I think that'd be a a solid move. I I don't really see the issue with that. I know baseball has – um, a similar thing hockey does where you can play after you sign. So, right. um, yeah, granted, are like same year eligibility things, but 
you know, you know, I don't hate that move. It probably wouldn't happen with too many positions outside of quarterback just because of the injury concerns. But um, I see no reason why guys shouldn't be able to, at the very least, get their guaranteed contracts before they're allowed to actually play in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that. I, that wasn't a part of what was proposed. But, like, there's no downside I see to that. And to the argument that people say, like, well, these guys wouldn't be ready – then what's the issue? If they submit their name and all NFL teams agree, like, yeah, this guy would die, they don't want that guy on their roster. That's a wasted spot. Yeah, so, like, the only guys that would get chosen would be the guys that they think could produce either that year or within a year. Obviously, if it's a very, very good potential guy who maybe, you know, after a year they think will be ready – they might try to pick him up in the sixth or seventh round as kind of like a, a project, right? But NFL teams don't want a guy that isn't ready. That's a lot of risk to take. So that argument of we can't let these guys decide to go into the NFL draft before they're ready doesn't behoove them to do so unless a team will, will develop that player themselves and are willing to eat that first year, second year salary in order to get them there. So... I think that argument is, is kind of BS and like it, it, it's self-servicing itself by the uh, NFL themselves because they don't want a player that won't produce for them for a number of years. So, and, and I think you're right. The quarterback position is probably a main one. You could see some defensive ends for sure. I think in year two after their freshman or after their sophomore year, that would be ready. That'd be a big position group. The frames that can add 60 pounds in, in two years. And you go from 6'6", 215, to 6'7", 275 yeah. that quickly, then yes, you're, yeah. you're all in that, in yeah, that you're, range. You're ready. And then I would, I would say maybe, I mean, like running backs for sure, if you're an Adrian Peterson or one of those elite running Jake backs. Hopkins, Trey Sermon, Master. Yeah. Justin Fields, yep. those type of players, maybe a Zach Harrison type, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a, a Garrett Wilson type, yeah. a Harry Miller type. Um, just any of Ohio State's good players should be allowed to go. <laughs> Michigan's good players should be forced to stay. That's fair. <laughs> I, my favorite headline was um, – I'm going to try and refind it. But um, – it, oh, here we go. It was uh, from one of the most credible sources – Jim Harbaugh's self-serving letter seen his chance to even playing field with Ohio State from our friends over at Buckeyes Wire. Oh. So literally, um, I, I just I love how no matter what happens, um, Ohio State uh, writers and fans are, are essentially like the Kool-Aid man of college football yeah. where um, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If it's an important issue – they're kicking down the door and saying, what about the Buckeyes, Stephen Austin Toski? <laughs> it's like, dude, get so, out of my house. Like, Kentucky <laughs> Harbaugh, oh, and five against her Meyer. He's just trying to early, early level playing field. It's like, you, it's you just like, broke down my wall, man. Get out of yeah. my house. <laughs> like, like, you have a warrant out for your arrest, bro. <laughs> You can't be hiding here. And it's just like, okay, like we get it. Like Jim Harbaugh is 0-5 against Ohio State. Ohio State has been um, historically great the last 10 years. Like that's all whatever to me. Like I- I'm okay with, with not um, being as good as Ohio State right now. Yeah. But it- it's just like the to-, to say any idea that would benefit the student-athletes is strictly self-serving 
for Jim Harbaugh, I think really shows a lot that Ohio State like fans and, and like beat writers view college football as something that, that's designed to be used to like your advantage and there's inherently no good things about it. Right. It, that makes sense. Not not that college football isn't good, but that every single move is strictly done to like help yourself in college football. And to that extent, I would say, oh, okay. So it was like Ryan Day, all the great work he's done, like to raise money for special needs kids, is that self-serving? Right. <laughs> it's like do you can do good things without having this ulterior motive behind it. Right. I get it's not a great apples to apples comparison because Jim Harbaugh's directly deals with the the sport that they coach while Ryan Day's uh, fundraising for special needs kids um, is not directly tied to his, his coaching career. Sure. But on the other hand, it, it would be, it is possible for these guys to have valid opinions. And, and we know Jim Harbaugh hasn't been shy about sharing them. Um, a couple years ago, he was um, pretty um, outspoken about, um, it, I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, how- Satellite camps, right? No, no, no. After that, th- this wasn't anything to do with college football. I think mm. it was um, getting fair representation to uh, underprivileged communities, oh, yeah. uh, legal system. Yeah. So it, it was something like just completely out of nowhere where it's like college football coach like support specific constitutional amendment. I'm like, Oh, this actually isn't what I thought it was going to be at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause like for, and for a lot of cases, I, I would say there is a lot of inherent selfishness and a lack of transparency and why a lot of college football coaches support certain things like Dabo Sweeney doesn't, isn't opposed to paying players because he's morally opposed to it. He's opposed to it because it takes away a big advantage Clemson has under the table. Right. Like Nick Saban, he wasn't in favor of spread offenses because it's not because he was concerned about player safety, but it was because they were kicking his ass a bit and then he adopted it. Jim Harbaugh, I think, has a track record of being outspoken enough about certain issues that you should be able to trust his word that he is doing it because he believes it's in the best interest of college football. He's someone that's been in that position, yeah. has played at a high level for a long time, played in the NFL, played at Michigan, was drafted, uh, bounced around a couple teams. So he's kind of had the journeyman's experience and and kind of knows how to carve out that that longer NFL career. So I, I don't see a lot of the, the selfishness here. I, I think if you're really looking for a reason to, to bash Harbaugh for this – then you probably need to reevaluate your personal life and, and how you're consuming and obsessing over college football. Yeah. Yeah. You need to look at who the primary beneficiary of this proposal would be. And if your answer is not student athletes, exactly, then you are evaluating it completely incorrectly. It's the, there are side effects that could be beneficial for any program. And yeah. I, I see it I see it very similar to college basketball right now. And for college basketball right now, you have the Duke, Kentucky, North Carolinas of the world who subscribe to this one and done or this this model of having these elite athletes and there's lots of turnover on their roster. Obviously I know football and basketball are not the same, but they're in terms of eligibility to go to the NBA 
it would be very similar in this case if if uh, if you're able to declare the NFL after one year. But look at how it hasn't destroyed college basketball. Um, you have programs that subscribe to that sort of approach where we take elite athletes, we let them play right away, and then we know they're going to be gone to the NBA because they're elite talents. You can do that. You can do that if you're an elite program. The Alabamas of the world in, in college football, the Ohio States, these elite programs could do that if they want. The Michigans of the world, both in college basketball and college football, and I think of it kind of similar to like the Stanford's of the world as well. They're not going to convince that many players to do that. Sure, you get a couple of one and dones at some schools outside of you know the the elites, and that that would happen at the college football level as well. But there are there's more to offer at Michigan than the one and done. It's not a basketball factory. It's not a football factory like some schools are. So they can recruit differently, and. I think it college basketball is more beneficial to collegiate athletes because of the less restrictions for their ability to make money as soon as they want to go professional and college football just doesn't. So it makes every team have to recruit at least similarly because of that lack of freedom. So there's, there's like, I under, I I get that people don't like Michigan. And if something comes from Harbaugh's mouth, people think it is just self-serving. But again, if you don't look at the proposal and understand how the primary beneficiary of it is the student athlete, then you're just plain wrong and you're viewing it how you want to be viewing it. There are ways that every program could use these modifications to their advantage. And at the end of the day, you don't want an athlete on your roster that doesn't want to be there. Why would you ever want someone on your roster that does not want to be there. Whether they want to be in the NFL, whether they want to be on a different team, I don't care where they are if they're allowed to go there. If I have someone who is a poison to my team, but all of the rules are restricting them from properly being elsewhere where they'll be happier and my program will be happier, then it's a terrible system. It's terrible for everybody. It, it's it's just not a good system for situations where a player wants to be in the NFL but can't because of these arbitrary rules or go to a program that ends up being a better fit if there's a coaching change. And I think that's just what it comes down to for me where everyone benefits from players being able to make decisions on where they want to be playing and if you see it differently, then you're just being naive. So I think that's my uh, my hot take. And any arguments I see otherwise are just people who uh, who, who don't know what they're saying. <laughs> Hold yeah, on. Yeah, it's people that try way too hard to, like, win in everything. It's, like, the people that are, like, cheating their, like, seven-year-old daughter in Monopoly and, like, <laughs> 400 when they pass go and, like – it, just people that you don't want to associate with. So um, I just think that if you're like really trying to make the case that this is like done specifically to serve Harbaugh, then you're in a really like bad spot um, in terms of your college football consumption. Yeah. Yep. That's a good, that's a good spot to end it there. Let's uh, we, we got about 10 minutes left here, Harry. Let's go through this list quickly. Top five sports movies. You posed this question to me a couple days ago. I've been thinking 
about this furiously. And there's a couple different ways you can generate these lists, whether you think just objectively they're the top five best movies, if they're your top five, um, if you think like top five most influential top five like personal favorites I, I and i like that like i just like lists overall because they mean different things to different people so i kept it open and i made my list as kind of a combo of influence like the sports moment itself and then just kind of like impact overall and like uniqueness of it so mine's kind of a mix of all of those sort of different factors different ways that you can do it but i'm interested to hear how you kind of took it is it like your five favorite or do you think it's like a similar kind of mix or what was your approach to generating your top five it's um now my for example my my number one isn't inherently or objectively the best movie but it's without doubt my favorite movie it's the one i've watched the most and it's the one i'll continue to watch the most um don't spoil it yet we gotta start with five i'm not spoiling it but uh, me telling you like it's the one i like Okay, I'll, I'll save the the really bad um, binge watch for for when we get to it. But uh, there are some movies on here that are objectively good movies. Some sure. movies on here that are not necessarily as good, but meant a lot to me. So it, it's kind of a, a mixture of uh, of all the the categories you listed. Okay, all right. I propose what we do is we walk through quickly our each of our top fives. And then we discuss. So, like, I'll, I'll I'll go first and go five down to one, and then we can talk about use for five through two. Ooh, that's a good idea. Five through two. Then I try and guess your one. You try and guess my one, and then we can dive into that those a little bit more in depth. I like that. I like that. Okay, number five, and I'm not going to give an explanation. I'll just go through the list, and then okay. and then we can ask questions and discuss five to two. All right. Number five for me, Miracle. Number four, Sandlot. Number three, Million Dollar Baby. Number two, Moneyball. That's my five to two. What are your initial thoughts on five to two? Um, I think it's really, really strong. Uh, In terms of it, uh, Moneyball is is on my list. It is my number five. Mm. Um, So I, I loved it. Uh, Sandlot's good. Funny story about Sandlot. I was, uh, hanging out with a girl, um, during like summer break of, of college and she has to hang out and we're watching the Sandlot in my basement and she's like, Oh, like this movie kind of stinks. And we're halfway through. <laughs> I text my mom, like, Ma, like, can you just say you're not feeling well so I can like kick her out? It's, <laughs> it's like the, the unwillingness to watch the Sandlot was, was a total deal breaker. For That's me. tough. That's tough. tough, man. Yeah. It's like, like I can get like not liking it, but don't tell me. Like clearly, I was the one that chose it. it it's just yeah. uh, Moneyball, absolutely a great film. Uh, Miracle's a good choice. Uh, Million Dollar Baby slipped my mind completely. That I is, had yeah, uh, I had no um, no real thought of Million Dollar Baby, but it's a great one. Probably objectively one of the um, three best sports movies from a cinematic perspective up yes. there with Moneyball and one of my other options. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Million dollar baby, I think is that like cinematic choice, not necessarily about the, uh, 
like the content itself because it's a it's a bummer of a movie man but uh but just extremely well acted well produced movie um so i think that's why it's up there just exactly what you said from a cinematic standpoint i i think moneyball is so high for me because of its kind of cultural impact on the game i think it's very well done i i love the writing of it as well and it's acted perfectly with a ton of great names jonah hill was like amazing in that movie and brad pitt but overall the adoption of analytics and the shifting of data-based data-driven organizations i think is just huge and it's like a generational impact overall in sports so i think just the cultural impact of what that movie captures is huge and i think just the that impact was big for that sandlot like you said is just a huge um like everyone can, whether it's baseball, for me, it was more basketball than any other sport, but just that childhood bonding through sports Mm -hmm. summer was just, I think that's everyone can relate to that. And that's just a classic there. And then miracle, I would argue is like one of the best stories in United States sports history. Yeah, It's okay. Yeah. I don't think it's that good of a movie. That's the thing where number five, I think it's probably the weakest of all movies on that list um, but I love the uh camara- or the patriotism of it more than anything yeah. else. I my five through two. Yeah. Five uh Moneyball comes in at number five. Yep. Number four, Varsity Blues. Ooh. Great, great movie. What, what um number three, this was a tough one. And and this was might have been my toughest choice. Mm-hmm. This is Rocky. Okay. Now, I only wanted to include one movie on the Rocky series. Yeah. Right? Rocky Four was omitted from this list, even if I like Rocky Four more than both Moneyball and Varsity Blues. Sure. I didn't want to make a Rocky list. Right. Exactly. And then number two, Friday Night Lights. Ooh. Uh, I loved Friday Night Lights, and I think what I really love the most about it is, is it's a First, I, I love the book. Yeah. If you haven't read the book by Buzz Bissinger, great book. Um, go go read that. Probably one of the greatest books in American um, literature. Um, but it, it's also very raw, and it, it doesn't try. My internet just like turned off for some. Yeah, reason. you're back. You, you said it was very, okay. it was very raw. That's where you cut out. Okay, so it had some inspirational aspects, but at the end of the day, what it was really about was was a high school football team and, yeah. and the bond with the community, and and that things didn't always happen the way you wanted. Um, Booby Miles getting hurt and uh, losing in, in the state championship, and some of the things that I enjoyed were some of the the liberties that that changing the story a bit from um from the book to the movie they weren't they weren't story altering changes uh for example booby miles was injured in uh real life during a, a preseason game not the uh opener but those are I, I think you can switch those around a bit and in in real life they um they lost to dallas carter actually at uh, Texas Memorial Stadium in the state semifinals, mm-hmm. not the Astrodome in the state finals. But again, that that's one that you're not inherently changing 
the narrative of the story. Right. So I, I think those are liberties you can take to in, increase the, the drama and increase all of that without that. There are some movies that um, like, for example, the uh, probably the, the sports movie I hate the most is uh, the blind side yeah. with, with Michael Orr. I hate that movie because it, it takes so many liberties in that it's kind of this, this like homage of like white saviorism where like, Michael Orr was already an all-conference like offensive tackle when when the Tui family adopted him. Yeah. So I didn't really like the changing of the narrative to be like, oh, he was this helpless homeless kid and this like white mom taught him to play football. I thought that was a little like fucked. Yeah. Uh, so I hate the Blind Side. That came up because it was on Freeform last night. But <laughs> Friday Night Lights, I loved. Rocky made the cut over, um, like. Rocky four, because I kind of like stories that don't always have the happy ending where it's like, it, it kind of, uh, gives you that, that grace of victory and defeat, both with, uh, Rocky and Friday night lights. Mm -hmm. The, uh, I, I think there is something noble and honorable to, to just, you gave it everything you had, but it just wasn't good enough because that's such a great, uh, simile to life oh, yeah. where it's like just working hard and like wanting it isn't enough. It's yep. that, like, pe like people lose. The good guys lose. Yep. Varsity Blues loved um, the um, James Vanderbeek um, with his with his dad and his coach. Uh, I don't want your <laughs> life. It's like this, like slow Texas drawl, and it, he's just great. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Moneyball, everything you said, uh, yeah. I agreed with. So yeah, those are my five through two. Rocky definitely it deserves to be on the top five um i probably should have put it on my top five um in terms of like cultural impact just huge for rocky obviously like one of the most memorable soundtracks songs in movie history as well so rocky 100 percent um you so could alone into oh, yeah. get megastar i actually and i love creed i like what creed did a ton with the series yeah. overall um, so that's on my honorable mention as well. Um, real quick, Friday Night Lights has a phenomenal soundtrack. I use, I Incredible. listen, yeah, I listen to that. Beat, I still listen to. Oh yeah, and that was really like the start. I think there's yeah, Explosions in the Sky was a band that I listened to a ton. First video I ever made was that movie, um, or was based on the music from that movie. So. Yeah, that's a great movie. It's on my honorable mention. I don't think it's that good of a movie. Mm -hmm. I think it is a very, exactly what you said, relatable. I don't think it's like well acted. I love how raw it was, and I love the story overall. I think it's really well done, um, and it, it's very unique in how it captures like high school football overall. Yeah, and I also think the... I agree with you. It's not like an overwhelmingly great movie. Yeah. The, the best sports movies, I, I think, are, are probably in some order Moneyball, Million Dollar Baby, and Rocky in terms of cinematic production mm -hmm. and, and what were at their times. Yeah. But part of the, the degree of difficulty um, I love with um, with Friday Night Lights is they, they're using a lot of uh, younger um, actors as roles. So. The degree of difficulty is a little bit higher. Um, I still get a little bit emotional when when I see um, Booby Miles just break down in, in his uncle's uh, car. Oh. Um, Booby Miles, probably one of the most uh, tragic figures in uh, 
sports cinematic history in, in recent years. We mentioned Marcus Dupree earlier. He was kind of the high school Marcus Dupree where it's like he had all this potential and, and it just like it's just really sad uh, to see. Booby Miles is actually um, playing. Uh, he's got a cameo as one of the assistant coaches. Um, the assistant coach, the uh, the large assistant coach standing next to the um, high school Booby Miles is the real Booby Miles. That's cool. That's, that, that's a nice little – I like when um, when you have that nice little – I don't know whether you would call that an Easter egg or just a nice little homage or oh, yeah. like that. But I just think you, it was a, a really um, – the, the soundtrack elevates uh, the fact that it wasn't necessarily the um, most well-acted movie, even if I think Billy Bob Thornton um, He's great. Like, killed it as a high school football coach. Like oh, I yeah. think he, he's got a perfect Texas high school football coach demeanor. Yeah, and, and I, I, I do kind of like that it, there was no like real big names for the primary actors. Like These are just high schoolers, right? They, it kind of lend itself well to the shooting style as well or is a little bit more of a shaky camera almost like a like a project not like a big budget film where the actors i didn't know who these guys were you know like outside of billy bob thornton and uh and the wife it was like i don't i don't know these people so it it plays it plays really well into it where it's like yeah it's just a raw like this is a um, buddy garrity making his appearance in there (laughs) oh yeah. yeah yeah that's uh I do love how they just copied him and uh, the wife in the, the TV series. Yeah, that's great. Uh, All right. But let's... number one, Steven. Yeah. Yeah. I think we you... might have the same number one. You see, I don't think we do. Okay. My number one. I'm going to guess is your number one. Is it Remember the Titans? It is. It is. Okay. There are lots of issues with the movie itself. I won't cover all of them. I don't think it is the perfect movie. Um, I think it is the best family, like one of the best, like just human, like watch together movie. It's a feel good movie. It, it, you know, there's a lot of, of tough, like social issues that it covers. Um, I think it's, it's funny how old a lot of the players look where it's kind of like the opposite side of Friday night lights where it's like this is like Ryan Gosling who's like 25. Right. So it's like, there's things about it where like, I think are funny looking back on where some of these guys look like the 30 year olds on a high school team. Um, they did change the story a bit, um, in terms of the actual team outcome itself, as well as with Gary and, and the timing of all of that. Um, but man, left side, strong side, Petey Jones. Um, Oh yeah. You got sunshine. It's it's extremely quotable. Soundtrack again is phenomenal. Elite soundtrack. Elite soundtrack. Um, it's the it's the movie I watched before all of my like pee wee football games. I would watch it every Sunday morning before my games. Um, yeah, so it's very sentimental. I don't think it belongs on a top five of overall best movies for mm. overall best sports movies. I think it's top ten though. And I, I, I love it from a sentimental standpoint. From from a more of a shocking standpoint, this was the first movie off my list. Wow. I I did not I didn't want to have too many high school football movies on here. Fair. And I like Varsity Blues and Friday Night Lights more. 
I think I'd pick, remember the Titans in terms of watchability over uh, Moneyball. Mm. Uh, I think it's a more enjoyable movie, even if I think Moneyball is inherently a better movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I think part of why I um, maybe have, I don't even want to say soured on it because I still think it's a phenomenal movie, but um, learning more about Herman Boone and how he was, uh, he was kind of a, a dickhead. Yeah. And um, he, he kind of acted like the Denzel Washington portrayal for speaking engagements and to make more money kind of um, like dropped it from like maybe three or four on my list to six. Yeah. It's my third favorite high school football movie ever. I just have a a, like real affinity to Friday night lights and James Vanderbeek kills in varsity blues. So, um, but remember the Titans is my number six. I agree with you belongs on a top 10 Uh, great soundtrack, great movie. Like a, a real family experience, a yeah. movie that, that you feel comfortable watching with the entire family. Yep. It's something I've seen in school before, which is how you know it, it's a quality flick. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's it's got a young Hayden Penetier, which is hilarious oh, yeah. to me. Um, I had a big crush on her uh, in uh, Malcolm in the Middle because she appeared oh, in that quite a bit. Heroes guy. Yeah. Heroes is a good one. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, I'm gonna guess yours. I'm I'm kind of thrown off here. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like neither of us put a uh, put a comedy yet. So like I'm Happy Gilmore is like not number one material. But it is I, not Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I, I couldn't see so that movie. I would never let it on a top on a more serious top five sports movies list. Yeah, I don't know. Is it Hoosiers? It is not Hoosiers. I don't know what I, it is. Number one movie. Field of Dreams. No, Angels. It is Miracle. It is Miracle. It is Miracle. My absolute number one favorite sports movie of all time is Miracle. Wow. Insane soundtrack. uh, Almost a point-for-point storytelling lineup where it's everything is is essentially accurate. Yeah. Um, Herb Brooks' speech, um, Kurt Russell – kills it oh yeah absolutely the goosebumps the sound editing the visuals incredible um dream on as the closing soundtrack uh along the um the montage of uh credits uh, not only listing the actors i think it's it's an absolute perfect movie from uh the standpoint of is this something that i'd like to watch with um, with my kids, with my parents, with my significant other, with my friends. I think it hits every single checkpoint. I think this is a perfect movie. During spring break, my um, it wasn't technically spring break because it was my first year out of college, but there is a week that uh, Rippin, my old school, had their spring break. I watched Miracle start to finish every day, Monday through Friday, just binged it every single day i think i could not be higher on the movie miracle it's an easy number one for me um the movie i've watched the most um outside of maybe the iron giant my most watched movie ever Mm. Uh, i love it there was never a question on what was going to be number one uh it was all two through five for me i think it's absolutely i had to downplay it a bit when you listed it because (laughs) I didn't want to get into it too, too much, but I agree with everything you said. 
Um, it is like a feel good story. Oh yeah. Um, it's got its sad moments. I, I still think um, the Ralph Cox scene when he's getting cut and you kind of have that visualization where like, you're like, this is so hard on her because this is the, the point he was in. Right. And it's like, Ralph, thanks for giving me a shot coach. Thanks for giving me your very best Ralph. Yeah. It, like it brings up tears. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's tough. Like, like it, it's not the easiest movie to, to watch from an emotional standpoint, just because like for, for that reason alone, there yeah. are like moments where you're like, holy fuck, like oh, I just saw someone's dream like crushed. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah, it's, so. it's tough. It, yeah, the, the it, whole the, uh, it, it, it's not all happy endings. It's right? like not everyone gets to be the good guy. And right. you know what? Like Ralph Cox, a very sympathetic figure, was the twenty first man, like that's what like, it takes. Not everyone can be like Mike Ruzioni, right. and that's okay. Like, yep. there's no shame in giving something your very, very best and not being good enough. And yep. that's part of why I love Miracle so much too. Yep the the who do you play for is, is for sure a top five favorite mm-hmm. scene. Um, yeah, that it, it is. If it didn't happen in real life, this would be much lower on my list. Yeah, but the fact that that's not fabricated for like movie drama means like miracles a safe number one because oh, yeah. it's a great scene but i i'm not a big fan of just adding shit like that but because that actually happened it's like oh my god yeah. like like it's a perfect movie it but the fact that it actually happened the way they're telling it it's like yes yeah i, I am down to watch miracle any day it is it, it's got to be the biggest or, or the best like sports story fit for a movie ever and i don't think it'll ever be beaten just like for a for any sports movie there are lots of excellent ones but that moment in in sports history was literally made for a movie and, then, and they captured it well they captured yeah, it really well great job of uh telling the the political landscape without diving into it at all the the montage of news clips and newspapers in the beginning yep. the background uh of her driving home on christmas eve to jimmy carter's speech uh was great the uh the little signs here or there talking about how problematic the the soviets are yep. um i think it's just it does a great great job from a storytelling perspective and in, in giving us their vision without hitting us over the head with it because yep. i i think it was a movie that if not done well could get bogged down in, in the too much plot and too much political and, and takes away from uh, the actual hockey. And, and they didn't do that. And, and that's why it's my number one. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Harry, let, let's wrap up here. Give me a couple other honorable mentions. I think I had Friday night lights as number six. Um, I had angels in the outfield as one of my top ones. Happy Gilmore was my top, mm-hmm. uh, like comedy one caddyshack was was up there as well just hilarious um what are some of your honorable mentions real quick um i I would say my number six the only one that i know is like the first one off the list is remember the titans um rocky four was was really close i'm a really big major league guy um so major league probably was my closest so there's two baseball movies um, and then my favorite Dennis Quaid baseball movie, that would be the rookie. Yeah. 
the rookie. That's a good one. Jerker too. That's a good uh, one. Yeah, when he gives his dad the ball, like that gets me. I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah. Field yeah. of Dreams is really great. That's good. Um, that there's a baseball. I think kind of has this like sweet serenity in terms of the storytelling aspect and in, in how like singular it can be. Yeah. And so I think it benefits from that. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any outstanding baseball movies. I think all of the great baseball movies are more so centered. I think actually, you know what? My my favorite baseball movie is actually 61. Ooh. Uh, the Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle story. Yeah. That's that's probably my top honorable mention. The Billy Crystal movie is great. That's a good one. I think uh, two two under the radar ones that I'd recommend are Foxcatcher with Steve Carell. I, I was gonna guess that from your number one until you didn't say remember. Yeah, no, Foxcatcher was one I, I wanted to put on my top five, but uh, but couldn't. So that was a great honorable mention. Steve Carell did insanely well in that role. He had Channing Tatum, Mark Ruffalo as well. Uh, just a great cast. Um, really, really good. And then I, Tanya was phenomenal. I, I'm a big Margot Robbie fan. She did so well in that role. And that's another one of those uh, stories that I think are built for a movie. And uh, um, love the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding story. So that's a, that's a classic. And then the, the last under the radar one I have, um, I, I think it's... Is it the fighter with um, with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah, the fighter's really yeah. good. Fighter's a good one. Good Boston movie. Um, I think Christian Bale is like like very rarely do you see like such a great portrayal of like actual drug addiction. I think Christian Bale killed it in there. His body transformation um, alone is insane. I love when Christian Bale like transforms his body for like. Like, just roles that, like, you wouldn't even say, like, oh, come on. Like, when he played uh, Dick Cheney. Yeah. It's like, like, like come on. There are plenty of, like, ugly, fat white men that, like, <laughs> you can have, like, Dick Cheney play. Like, like next thing you're going to see, like, Christian Bale, like, in, like, blackface, like, trying to play, like, Harriet Tubman or something. He's going to get, like, hip implants. And, like, and it's going to be, like, Christian Bale, like, come on. Like, <laughs> like we can, like, we don't have to use you. <laughs> nope. But, uh, he, he's great. Transforms his body in that uh mark Wahlberg is good yep um so there are a lot of good sports movies steven austin tossing we got a lot of them we got a lot of them let us know your thoughts on twitter you can find me at steven toski you can find harry himself at harrison quinn 90 on twitter as well By the way, if you i think i'm gonna try and like suggest like a list every week to end the show um so if you have any like opinions or things you want to hear uh if you have any ideas for lists Feel free to tweet him at Steven or myself. Yeah. I would say probably – I'm probably more active on Twitter than you are. Probably. So there's a higher chance of it getting seen if it goes to uh, to me, but a higher chance of getting a much nicer response if it goes to Steven. <laughs> wow. So, so risk it. So, I, I just give you like a thumbs up. Oh, this is cool. Steven is much nicer. Uh, choose your I poison. Well, but – um steven is much more gratuitous i think that's a, that's a good word right gratuitous. that's a great word okay good. you've been reading the dictionary a little bit Harry. oh no i just meant like gratuitous what didn't mean like self-serving and dickish not like <laughs> it's a good word like it, it's a compliment right <laughs> it, it both are true both can be true okay, okay. perfect all right harry um one. you <laughs> you have a great rest of your sunday 
Uh, we'll talk next week. Um, yes. But otherwise, go blue, man. Go blue. All right, take it easy.